Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsnetwork.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Ross. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now, here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Ross. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Ross. And lots is going on in technology as always. The Iranians are now on a hacking on a hacking spree spree yes you know this as tensions mount between the u.s and iran iranian hacking has picked up some steam facebook of course has talked about releasing their own cyber currency libra we'll talk about that and why people have fear about it another city got hit with ransomware this is uh riviera beach florida Mm -hmm. and they decided to pay the ransom of $600,000 rather than spend $17 million replacing all of their (laughs) computer equipment. Like Baltimore did. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, The European uh, mobile traffic in Europe was all routed through China uh, for a while, and that's why uh, our security, our intelligence people are worried about Huawei uh, 5G uh, telecom equipment because if it's hacked, it can reroute traffic anywhere. It's kind of an interesting thing that happened there in Europe. And this week we're going to feature the man who was co-founder of Akamai, and they actually uh, deliver content on the web without any delay. It's a, it's a great technology, and it's been around. And of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. We got an email from Mary. Dr. Schertz, uh, Here's the speed of my FIO service. I get 10 megabyte upload and 5 megabyte download speeds. Um, now, I only have FIOS internet. I don't have any phone. I don't have any anything else. I just get the, the, the straight internet, and I get, I get one of the lowest packages you can have. I'm only paying $47.99 a month, which is not, not a bad thing. Now, I got UMA because you had recommended it, but I'm having trouble... Uh, having UMA phone calls uh, through my home uh, through my home uh, router. When I talk to people, they say that my voice is intermittent and it goes in and out, and so that's a problem. So, is there something wrong with my upload or download speed is it that UMA won't work? Of course, UMA is a is a voice over IP system. You just plug it into your router, and then you plug your you know your your, your wireless phone system or your wired phone system in the house right into UMA. And UMA then converts your phone signal within the house to, um, to voice over IP and sends it over the Internet. So you don't have to actually have a landline. And you can transfer your old landline number right to UMA, and nobody even knows that you've given up the landline. And I've, I've been doing that for years. Now, the issue is, though, if you don't have enough upload speed, that you, you, you may not be able to have good voice when you talk to someone. But, but, I, but 
But Mary, I'm looking at your upload speed. You got 10 megabit upload speeds, and you got five megabit download speeds. You got plenty for Uma. Now there is a problem with there is actually uh, so you don't have a bandwidth problem. You you could have a latency problem where there would be a delay, a delay in your in your system. So you could check for latency. You can go to broadbandreports.com and. Uh, and there's a tool to test for speed, and, and that you can double-check your, your upload and download speed, and it'll also give you a, a latency number. But I suspect that's not your issue. There is a problem with the interconnect between UMA and Verizon for some customers. Apparently, Verizon is, is, uh, is not playing nice with UMA, and so there have, there's been a lot of discussion on it, and Verizon is working to fix that problem. Now, if you want to check it out, you can just... You can just Google voice quality UMA Verizon, and you'll and you'll get that thread. And uh, I, I think that will be resolved. Uh, but I think it's not your router. It's not your upload and download speed. It's some it's some related to some interconnect with Verizon. And I think Verizon is going to fix that. We got an email from Led by Brain, dear Doctor Shirts. This is uh, this is how my main. Gmail account is set up. I've enabled POP, Post Office Protocol, IMAP, and I and I'm archiving all my deleted emails. I want to be sure that I have retained a copy of all messages sent for the last 18 months. Will this ensure that? I am using uh, an Apple Mail client to view this account. I found an article on the internet that said Gmail will delete sent mail if it's not saved. Thank you. Led by brain. Okay, let's talk about you've, you've emailed, you've got post office protocol. That was the original pro- protocol used for, for email, and that actually transfers the emails to your computer on the post office protocol. Now, you have to, con- if you want to leave the emails on the server and you've enabled POP, post office protocol, POP, you have to make certain that you, that you do not configure it to delete the email on the server after it's been downloaded to your computer. Um, I actually don't think you need both post office protocol and IMAP. IMAP is a is is another protocol that actually leaves the emails on the server and when you use an IMAP interface to your email account, you're actually looking at the mail server itself. And and then whatever you do whenever you delete something from the mail server, from your IMAP account, it's just deleted on the server. And if you if you don't delete it, it stays there. So I, I don't. It's not clear that you need both POP and IMAP. I would recommend you just go with with IMAP. And it's it's a it's a good idea to archive deleted emails. They're always going to be there. So I don't think that you are really going to lose any emails with that configuration unless you've misconfigured POP to delete the emails from the mail server after it downloads them to your to your client. I'm going to suggest you don't use POP. Just use IMAP. Now. One thing that's sort of tricky is that when, because uh, Google, Gmail threads everything together. So if you send an email to somebody, it goes to the sent messages. But if they answer it, that sent message is threaded onto their answer. And so the sent message shows up in your inbox as as connected to the, the, the reply that you got. So some people think it's gone, but actually it's just threaded in with, with a reply. And so that might... That might be where the confusion is on the sent email, but um, I I think you should have no problem keeping you know keeping all your emails with with Gmail. Now, if this is critical stuff, I don't know that I would use a free service for for critical files. I mean, um, 
because you never know what Gmail is going to do in the future. I've never had a problem with Gmail, but if these are critical business files that you cannot lose, um, I, I would um, I would make certain that you you have another copy of them. Now, one one thing I guess one thing by using POP Post Office Protocol, you're downloading the emails to your computer. If you configure POP not to not to delete them from the mail server, then you actually have them two places, and that might be. That might be uh, a good way to give you some sense of uh, security there. We got an email from Duke. Dear Tech Talk, I coach a local sports team, and all the communications with my team are in Hotmail. Unfortunately, I can't access my email when I travel overseas because I lost the phone that was my that was used for you know uh, two-factor authentication, and I you know I don't I don't have, even have that phone number anymore. Ah. So how do I get into my Hotmail account if I no longer have access to the phone number that I set up during login? Well, it turns out, Duke, that when you travel to other countries, um, Hotmail, Microsoft actually requires that in addition to you know your password, you also have to provide a code. They Because they, there's been so many cases of people breaking into Hotmail accounts in other countries, they then force two-factor authentication if you try to log into Hotmail from another country. And so... It's critical that you that you have access to your other phone now. So the uh, and if you if you now the if you lose your phone you and it may be that you put into your configuration of hotmail of hotmail another a secondary email address, and you could have you could have the the two factor authentication sent to another email address if you've configured it that way. Now if you don't have any way. To, to recover while you're there. They do have, Microsoft does have an account recovery process. And and they'll send you a code that you can use to get into your account. But if, in order to, for them to send you that code, you've got to prove that you are who you are. And this is how a lot of, you know, identity theft gets on. So you've got, you've got, to, you've got to give your name, your birth date, your location. You've got to answer sec- all the security questions that you've given to them. You may, they may ask you, some of the past passwords on the account that you could remember, and that that would prove that, you know, that's something that only you would know. They might ask for some subject lines of emails that you sent recently. They might have any the names of folders that you've created in your account. They might ask for email addresses of contacts in your contact list. They might ask for billing information, including credit card information, if you've associated that with the account. These are all things that would be hard for somebody to provide if they weren't actually you. And the goal is simple. you just got to prove who you are. And then what they do, though, in order to make certain that nobody is going to, you know, steal this account quickly, they delay sending the reset password for 30 days. And then they send emails to the active email accounts with in the Hotmail account to notify the user that somebody has requested a, uh, a password recovery procedure. Then that way, if it turns out, that it was somebody trying to steal your account, there's 30 days here to sort it out so they just don't give your account away. I think it's a pretty good system that mm-hmm. they've got. But best of luck, and you really have to be careful with your two-factor authentication and keep your phone number. We got an email from Bill Connolly. Gentlemen, I recently reinstalled my Dell Latitude with Microsoft, uh, with Microsoft uh, Windows 10. Now, I stored all my documents to an external hard drive. Now, prior to the system reload, I removed the folder encryption on all folders because I'd encrypted everything. I made certain that the file titles were, uh, that were in green now were all black. Nothing was encrypted. 
Unfortunately, I failed to notice that my Outlook PST files, that's where all your email is stored, were st are still encrypted. I didn't decrypt my Outlook files. Now, since they were encrypted under the previous operating system, they're now inaccessible. Address book and all email files are out of reach. Do you have any way to get at them uh, other than using decryption or other than having NSA come in here and decrypt it? <laughs> Okay, your assistance would be most appreciated. Well, if you encrypt data on your computer, you need a way to recover the data in case something happens to the encryption key. If your encryption key is lost or damaged, you do not have any way to recover your data. The data is gone. Now, you will also lose data if you store your encryption key on a smart card and the smart card is damaged or lost. To make sure you always have access to your encrypted data, you should back up your encryption certificate and key. Back that up. Now, encryption is managed by the Certificate Manager, which is opened by typing CERT, C-E-R-T-M-G-R, into your search box, and you'll, it'll pop up the application Certificate Manager. Using this application, you can either import an encrypted file or back up your certificate. Now, if you imported the encrypted file, you'll have to then point to a particular certificate, an EFS certificate, Encrypted File System Certificate. If you did not back up your EFS certificate, your files are lost. But your um, encryption manager should be able to track it if, in fact, you did back it up. Best of luck. I hope you don't lose all that email. We got an email yeah. from John in Fairfax. Dear Tech Talk, I just came back from vacation. I had over 2,400 photos on my memory card. And when I went, when I went to offload the photos to my computer, the card was reading blank uh-oh i now and i know that i don't did not reformat the card is there any hope for me to recover the pictures that i took thanks john well john you have three options you could take the memory card to a different computer and see if a different computer can actually make sense of it because it could just be the the reader is is actually failing now if so just copy the data immediately to that computer and then back it up. Secondly, you could try a data recovery utility like Recuva, Recuva, <laughs> R-E-C-U-V-A, and you can get that from, uh, you can just search Recuva, R-E-C-U-V-A, and, and you can get it from ccleaner.com slash Recuva. And finally, you could go to a data recovery service. This will cost you money, but for 2,500 photos, it's worth it. And there are data recovery services that can go in there and they can recover data from your memory card. But I would try recover first. Now, but 2,400 pictures without a backup is not good practice. What I usually do when I'm traveling and I'm taking a lot of, uh, lot of pictures that are going to be on a, on a card, I, I might have a laptop with me, and I'll periodically copy all the pictures to the laptop so I've got it stored two places because... 2,400 photos without a backup is not good practice. It, if that memory card went through a metal detector in an airport, could that have messed it up? Uh, theoretically, no. Okay. But they, 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 they actually, it's fairly low level of radiation, so you, that should not mess it up. It probably was messed up by, you know, mishandling it some way or mm -hmm. or. Or writing, or while it was writing, pulling it out, mm -hmm. something, something like that. Now, the other thing that you can do is, and and what I do is, is you can, is you can back up to the cloud. And like when you've got, say, take pictures with an iPhone, 
it's automatically backed up to the iCloud. So even if you even if the phone's gone, it's it's finished. You can in fact buy memory cards for digital cameras that have Wi-Fi connectivity. And so you can connect these memory cards to Wi-Fi when you're traveling, and then you can upload the data to the cloud hmm. every night. Uh, and so I think you probably, unless you, unless you, if you don't want to carry a laptop around, I think you should have some sort of method to upload it to the cloud every night whenever you're at Wi-Fi. Then you're then you're only going to be having one day's worth of data, uh, you know, at risk. Right. We got an email from Mike in Alexandria. Dear Doc and Jim, your show is very informative, and I enjoy the historical profiles. Now, I've been an Android user for years, and have been upgrading my phone every two or three years. Now, I'd like to keep some of the old phones that, for emergency purposes, to repurpose them as media players or whatever. And I'd like to optimize the number of app, apps on them and perform some sort of reset to refresh them. But I don't want to reload and configure each app at the at you know when when I reset them. What's the best way to delete apps and keep ones that I still want to, you know, still want to use? And how do I reset my old phones to get back in pristine condition? Uh, you know, I'd like to hook them up to Google Play if that's possible. Well, uh, I'll tell you, Mike, when you transfer when you transfer your number to a new phone, your old phone will automatically be disabled because there's there's going to be a it, you didn't say if you're CDMA or GSM, there's a SIM card or else you will, if you're CDMA, there's no SIM card. And they'll actually direct, they'll actually transfer your phone number to the new phone. And the old phone will not attach to the cellular network at that point because it has no authorization. However, your old phone will connect to the Internet through Wi-Fi as always. So you can still... Connect all your old phones to your Google Play account, so you can you can download apps to them, and and you can have multiple uh, devices attached to the same Google Play account. However, you can only stream music to one device at a time. So if you're streaming on an old device, you can't stream on the new device. You got to pick. You've only got one stream coming out of Google Play. So that should actually work. There's really if you if you reset your phone, it's going to it's going to basically delete all the applications. There's no way. To reset the phone and then keep a few app, it's either all or none. So you're going to just have to go to your phone and just delete the applications that you don't use. And there's you can actually get get a list of of the applications that are that are not really being used that often, and you can you can figure out which ones to delete. But um, it's not a bad idea to keep an old phone because you can keep it as a media player. There's actually software where you can set it up as a as a webcam, as a security cam. There's all sorts of applications that you can use to repurpose an old phone to something else. And you know, and actually, a security cam is not is not a bad idea. Yeah. So um, good luck with all your old Android phones. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2, and on the web at federalnewsnetwork.com or stratford.edu. Watch us do the show by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Daniel Mark Levin. Daniel Mark Levin is a mathematician, was a mathematician, an entrepreneur who co-founded Akamai Technologies. That's an internet distributed content delivery company. Akamai is everywhere on the internet, and I'll explain what it is a little bit later. Daniel Mark Levin was born March. It's Lewin, isn't Lewin, it? Lewin, Lewin. Sometimes they, they actually put a Pronounce V in v. it. Yes, right. Sometimes they sometimes he does it with a V, so I think he pronounces it Levin, okay. but, it, but it looks like Lewin, just from the spelling, but I think he pronounces it Levin. Okay. He was born May 14, 1970 in Denver, Colorado, and raised in Jerusalem. He served four years in the Israeli Defense Force as an officer. Now, Daniel, they call him Danny, attended the Technion University at Haifa, Israel, while simultaneously working at IBM's research laboratory in Haifa. He received a BA and a BS summa cum laude from Technion in 1995, and he enrolled in the PhD program at MIT in Cambridge in 1996. Now, he worked with uh, an applied mathematics professor, Tom Layton, and they came up with innovative algorithms for optimized Internet traffic. Uh, this problem, by the way, was suggested by Tim Berners-Lee, who was the inventor of the World Wide Web, the first browser. He was just down the hall from Tom Layton there at MIT, and uh, and he came down and he said, "Look, we've got a pro there's all sorts of congestion on the internet because actually the internet's made up of like fifteen thousand separate networks that are connected at peering points where you have peer-to-peer -peer connections and." Traffic has to go from one network to another to another through these peering points. And some of the networks are fast, some are slow. So that means when you piece the Internet together, there are some areas where you've got a lot of congestion and really slow delivery. And Tim Berners-Lee said, as we scale up, we're going to have to find a way to optimize routing traffic so that we can deliver content without big delays as it's going through. So we asked Tom Layton if he could figure that out. So Tom Layton then thought this was an inter interesting problem. It's a mathematical problem. It's a routing problem. And so, so he worked with, um, with Daniel Levin, who was then a Ph.D. student, on this project. And it turns out that 
Daniel Levin's master's thesis was won a great. Uh, no, it, it turns out that his master thesis won the 1998 Best Masterworks Thesis Presentation Award at MIT, and it included all the algorithms, routing algorithms, and all the core theory that make up Akamai's service. Now, it turns out that this was really a huge problem as the Internet was scaling uh, because it turns out that the carriers really don't like to carry traffic from other carriers mm -hmm. and other people. Now, they're supposed to. The peering agreements means that they share and they allow traffic from anyone to pass through their network. But sometimes carriers will actually put bogus routing information in their border gateway um, protocol, their BGP uh, routers, and that'll sort of divert traffic away from their network. They're not supposed to do this, but sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't play fair, and there then are bottlenecks in the Internet. So the challenge is trying to deliver content reliably in this atmosphere. So Daniel Levin and his roommate uh, decided to enter the MIT business, $50,000 business plan contest. And they took this idea, they said, how can we make a business out of this? So they entered it, they put together a business plan, and the business plan for this, what ultimately became the business plan for Akamai, was uh, ranked in the top six entries, and it made it into round two, and they won around $100 for, for making it that far. <laughs> Unfortunately, they did not win the finals, they didn't even place in the top three out of the six. But their entry did get the attention of the tech community. And over 30 companies joined their development team to actually write code to test the theory. Now, he devised a business plan. Daniel Levin devised a business plan, and he co-founded Akamai in 1998 with, with the professor Tom Layton. He, of course, is the, is the professor who actually took the challenge from Tim Berners-Lee to work on this problem. And another student who went to the MIT Sloan School, and they, um, uh, and they formed a, a business to actually provide content delivery to go around bottlenecks on the internet. Now, and they came up with the word Akamai. Akamai, it's a Hawaiian word, and it means smart or intelligent. Huh, how about that? Akamai, smart or intelligent. Now, this is when they really became famous and when people said, wow, this Akamai works. January 1999 was a major event. The Victoria Secret aired its first ever Super Bowl <laughs> commercial. <laughs> That's a big event. The ad generated millions of hits within minutes, and the site had to dynamically adjust to that traffic. They turned to Akamai in partnership with IBM to solve this problem, and Akamai became famous as a way to provide content delivery over the internet without delay. Lewin served as the chief technical officer and board member, and during the height of the internet boom, he achieved great wealth. Well, it's a good thing that they were able to figure that out so that Victoria's Secret didn't bust the internet. Exactly, because uh -huh. that, that, that was it. That, would, that okay, could be sorry, a huge challenge. That, that could be, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. could, yes, indeed. So, but but there's kind of a sad this ending. It's very to, sad. Yeah, Lewin was killed on that American Airlines Flight 11 on September 11th, 2001. That uh, and 
and and that was a that was t- right t- toward the beginning of the hijacking. He he, tr- he he was trying to he was trying to stop it, and mm. and they they killed him right away. Mm. It's really a sad, a sad case. Yeah, Akamai now has over 240,000 servers deployed in more than 120 countries. So how, how it works is if you've got a, a country that, say, has got poor connectivity with the rest of the Internet because of this peer-to-peer peering problem, they'll actually put servers in that country. And if a lot of traffic is requesting information from the web from that country, they will dynamically transfer data, web data, to that country on a local server so everybody is able to get content from a local server mm-hmm. without any latency. So so companies that really have a lot of traffic, they pay Akamai to optimize their delivery. And so Akamai just spreads their content all over the web in 120 countries on, on a part of these 240,000 servers. And then that way, People can get content without any problem, no matter what country they're in. So it's a, it's one of these companies you never hear anything about, but they actually are making the web function more efficiently. Excellent. So there, everything you want to know about Daniel Levin. He, of course, is co-founder of Akamai, the distributed internet content delivery company. Hope you were paying attention because the information Dr. Shirts just imparted could uh, win you free lunch by playing the pop quiz and winning successfully. So stay tuned for that coming up here on Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2. You can watch us do the show by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, 
Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please be seated here in the studio. We have to keep order here. We do. Because this is not simply a radio show. This is a classroom of the airways, and we're going to do a pop quiz to see whether our audience has been listening. I get it now. The applause is to delay the pop quiz because they're not ready. Yes, indeed. That's what they want. They, they want the answer. They want the answer to the pop quiz, mm-hmm. but we're yes. not going to give it to them. No, no. Yes. You and if you get the correct answer to the pop quiz, you'll get tickets to fine dining at one of the Stratford University dining rooms run by our crack culinary department. <laughs> Earlier in the show, I talked about Daniel Levin. He, of course, founded, co-founded Akamai Technologies, the distributed internet content delivery system. What, where, what does the name Akamai mean? If you know the answer to today's question, now's the time to pick up the phone. Oh, you know the drill. If you're calling from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. Calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're enjoying the first full day of summer with a balmy high of 50 degrees in Canada, call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. Anyone else, anywhere else may call us on the international line, 877-936-39333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Shirts. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Wait so, a minute. You have to give the Skype stuff. Oh, yes, You, you take a week off. Oh, you I, go out and I, bake I, your brain I, I in take, the sun yesterday, and you forget what you're doing. And so if you're sailing around the Chesapeake Bay, enjoying uh, yourself, you can call us on Skype. Simply connect to Skype and, uh, and Skype to Tech Talk Radio 1, and your call will be forwarded to the studio free of charge. Okay, now, you're, now you're free to carry on. Now I'm ready to go. Somebody caught... Google stealing their lyrics, their content. Now, the name of the company is Genius, and they accuse Google of listing, of, of lifting song lyrics from their site. Now, Google says, no, we didn't lift it. We just took it from content providers and blah, 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 because Google scrapes content all over the Internet, actually. They mm-hmm. scrape it from um, – they scrape content, actually, from newspapers. That's one reason. Is and, that a is that a, a sanitized way of saying they steal it? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> they a, scrape it. They 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 scrape it, and then what happens is people see a little bit of the news on the Google site, so then they don't go to the newspaper itself to read the whole article, and then the newspaper is missing out on sort of you know click throughs and digital ad content. Well, so genius. So Genius was tired of Google coming back and saying, you know, we, we're not stealing this from your site. So what they did back in 2016, they, they used something. You know, there are two kinds of apostrophes. you got the straight apostrophe and you got the curly apostrophe. There are two kinds of, of, of apostrophes that you can use. So what they did, they went in and they put, made some of the apostrophes straight and some of them curled. And, and what they did, though, they said, say the straight ones are a dash— Okay. And the curly ones are a dot, and they spelled out in Morse code something called red-handed. So they actually they actually had Morse code embedded in the lyrics, and then they went to the Google site, and boom, they were caught red-handed. Wow. So that was a genius idea. And Google said, well, I don't know who did that. We're going to have to double-check on it. But they were trying to deny that. But that was a clever way— to catch Google in the act. Indeed. Hey, guess what? We have somebody on the phone. Let's see if I can make this work. Let's go to line one. This is Carol calling us from Silver Spring. Carol, are you there? 
Oh, wait a minute. To do everything in the right order. Carol, are you there? Hi. Hi. Oh, good morning. How are you? Very good. All right, Dr. Schertz. Great. Thank you. Good. Good. Dr. Schertz, good to ask Yes, question. earlier in the show, I talked about Daniel Levin. He, of course, co-founded Akamai. What does the word Akamai mean? It means smart. Yes, that, that is, is smart or intelligent. That is correct. That's great. Carol, thanks a lot for checking in. Hang on a second. We're going to send you back to Andrew, and he will take your information and send the prize right out to you. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, and on the web at stratford.edu. You can also uh, check us out at federalnewsnetwork.com. Watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. The Iranian hackers are at it again. Now, analysts from two security firms, CrowdStrike and Dragos, have seen a new campaign of targeted Phishing email sent to a variety of U.S. targets, uh, and these are being sent from a hacker group known as APT33, another hacker group known as Magnalium, and another <laughs> one known as Refined Kitten. These are all widely believed to be working with the Iranian government. Dragos named the Department of Energy in the U.S. National Labs as some of the half a dozen targeted organizations. Now, a third security firm, FireEye, independently confirmed that has seen a broad Iranian phishing campaign targeting both government agencies and private sector companies in the U.S. and Europe. Now, some signs suggest that the new targeting campaign is a cyber espionage operation, that, and it's expected it's been stepped up given the heightened tensions between the U.S. and Iran. Now, the researchers note that the APT-33 has links to data-destroying malware and warn that intrusion attempts could be the first step in any, in any kind of more aggressive cyber war. In 2017, FireEye reported that APT-33 infected some victim computers with dropper malware and then used that dropper malware to install 
data-destroying code known as shape-shift. Now, at least some of this week's intrusion attempts, uh, what they do is they send an email to a potential victim. This is what they do. This is why they fish. And so they. it looks like it's an email from the Council of Economic Advisors, which is an organization of the White House, and they're posting a job opening at the White House. So they're sending it to these government agencies <laughs> announcing a job opening at the White House. They say, hey, that looks pretty good. <laughs> Boom. And they click on it. And the, the email contains a link that, if clipped, if clicked, will open an application that launches a Visual Basic script on the victim's machine. And this script installs a malware payload known as Powerton. It's a kind of all-purpose remote access Trojan, and it gives the Iranians access to that computer. So um, you've really got you really cannot click on email links. When the email is coming from somebody who you really don't know, uh-huh. and that's apparently I mean, working. Really, if you take a look at the at the email address of, mm-hmm. of something that doesn't come from somebody you know, a lot mm-hmm. of these things really do look suspicious. Especially, I mean, like if you get something that looks like, well, like that, or like yeah. a, a notice from BGE or, or uh-huh. Pepco or something like that. If you look at the the, the email address from the sender, like that doesn't look right. But here's the thing: the the email address you can write any email address you want. That, that so it's you not, can mask. Yeah. You can mask a bad email address. You you could write down any email address that you want as a return email address. Well, that's one of the weaknesses of, of of the mail system. It was designed to be to for communication between trusted trusted parties. So mm-hmm. there is no verification of the email address at all. They can write anything. Now what what they can't disguise is the actual link. So they because if they want to link back to something which is bad, they actually have to have the the real link address. So if you look at the address of the link that's, itself, that's what I mean. Yes, they can't yes. they can't fake that. I mean, you have to look at that. Yeah, you have to look at that. And really, if if I'm not expecting it, I just I just delete it. Yeah, because it, you, that's a great that's a great practice, really. Yeah. So I don't I I don't I open up very few things that uh, that are being suspicious. Okay, let's talk about. Uh, Riviera Beach. <laughs> okay, Riviera Beach, they, they are going to pay. It's a city in Florida with about 35,000 people, and its computers are held hostage with, uh, with ransomware. The city council on Monday voted unanimously to pay $600,000 in Bitcoin to the hackers who caused the problem. Now, after this, was at, this they got infected after one city employee Click the malicious wink, link in an email ransomware, and and then as in an email, and ransomware quickly spread throughout Riviera Beach's computer network, and it locked it down completely, unless the city paid ransom of sixty-five bitcoins. Mm. Their email wouldn't work. Their nine-eleven calls couldn't enter any, and you couldn't enter, enter and, and, and you could not enter any computer records into the nine-eleven system. The system that controlled the water utility went offline, and they could not function at all. Now, first, the city council said, well, why don't we just buy new computers? And they, they allocated $941,000, but then they started looking at consulting fees and everything else, and they realized that actually it's more expensive to sort of fix the ransomware problem than it is to pay the, pay the ransom. Now, the payment will come from the city's insurer— Although it's not clear if the hackers now this is the problem. You could pay the hacker sixty-five bitcoins, which would be six hundred thousand dollars, but 
There's no guarantee that they're going to unlock your files. Right. They could, I mean. They just walk away with the well, money. And- it, just think about this. The hackers might be unethical. What? Are you, huh? <laughs> they, they just might be Never unethical. Never occurred to me. I know. Now, so it turns out, though, the um, Atlanta suffered a ransomware attack in March of 2018, and they refused to pay $51,000 in ransom. But they fixed their damages using computer consultants, and they spent $17 million. But they saved $51,000. So <laughs> Malwarebytes, a cybersecurity company, said in April that ransomware attempts on businesses have jumped 500% this last year because it, it's actually working. At least 170 state and local governments in the U.S. have suffered ransomware attacks since 2013. Now, the thing that's unusual about this Riviera is that normally when companies pay the ransom, they keep it a secret. They normally don't have a city council meeting and have it televised that they're going to pay the ransom. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, because look, there are going to be other hackers out there. Hey, Riviera pays ransom. Boom. Right. So you got, you can pay the ransom, but you got to upgrade your system so that, so that you're not vulnerable down the road. That's right. So, so they obviously had an unpatched system, probably similar to Baltimore. And once, and once it was on one computer, it just spread like wildfire throughout the network Mm. because it wasn't, it wasn't patched. And these, these hackers love, love, uh, you know, cities and state systems because typically because of budget constraints, they don't patch everything and and they don't have great security. So I've not heard anything about Baltimore, but I was looking for it. Still, just wondering whether they're going to pay the ransom or what. They're still doing it. They're yeah. still working on it. All okay. right, let's take a break. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday at 9 on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, on Periscope at WFED Tech Talk. Learn more about the programs at Stratford University by going to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. Facebook is wants to come up with their own cryptocurrency. They're calling it Libra. 
<laughs> I'm going to tell you that there's an interesting Facebook has got that diversified with all of this privacy stuff. The traffic at Facebook has dropped about 30%. I mean, they are losing users mm -hmm. because people don't trust Facebook these so days. So this is another direction they can go in this, maybe this, to. This is like another revenue stream for them because mm -hmm. they basically were, you know, violating user privacy in order to get advertising dollars. That's what it was all about. And they were basically just selling user data. And, uh, I mean... Long term, I don't know if that's really a good business to be in, and that because as we start enforcing more and more privacy laws, their revenue is going to drop. So they want to go go into cryptocurrency. The currency is called Libra, and the and they they teamed up with a consortium of, of companies. Uh, they teamed up with Visa and Mastercard, traditional finance companies, some VC venture capital firms, some other credit card companies, and other tech giants to form a consortium consortium to to deliver this cryptocurrency. Now, what they want to do is they're going to use the Facebook platform, which has, you know, huge users. And then if, if people accept this cryptocurrency, they can transfer payments through their Facebook Messenger. And so they're thinking by using the Facebook platform, they can have the most, the broadest base cryptocurrency, you know, use around the world. And it'll be, it will swamp all of the other all of the other um, cryptocurrencies. Now, of course, the now in order to all of the cryptocurrency uses something called a blockchain, which means whenever you have a transaction, it's verified by independent people who then do a calculation to verify that that particular digital coin has never been spent before. That's the that's the double spending problem, and they and they pay these people that verify that the blockchain is legitimate. They pay them additional cryptocurrency, and they call them miners, and that's and that's a new. But their access to their underlying blockchain technology is going to be much more restricted, and they're going to vet all of their miners. So it's not going to be this open, you know, wild west like we have in 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 bit in Bitcoin. Now at launch, you'll be able to send uh, uh, you'll be able to send and receive uh, Libra money using either Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. And it's going to be a very good way to uh, to transfer currencies. Now, they're hoping that they're going to hit it big in India because they got they got 300 million. Facebook has 300 million users in India, and particularly developing countries. Now, Facebook's also launching a subsidiary company called Calibra, which will develop products and services based on Libra. So it's not that Libra is going to make the money, but all of these services that are built around Libra will make money. Hmm. Now, Facebook intends to. Uh, you know, to launch a digital wallet and all of the things relating to that and essentially become your bank. So a lot of developing countries, and you, you go to developing countries, that one of the big problems is people don't have access to bank accounts. I mean, they're out in the country and then they, 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 they really can't really trade their goods easily. And so if you can get digital currency that's reliable and easily use it in the hands of people in developing countries, you can actually impact that economy in a very dramatic way. And so Facebook is set on trying to bring low cost and free banking to what they call the unbanked of the world. And this is going to really help the economies. Now, the but they have a little bit of a push going on because people don't trust Facebook. Yeah. 
And if yeah. you don't, and if you don't trust Facebook, you're not going to trust them with your money. You're you're not going to trust them with your money. And so, in fact, there's a huge backlash from regulators who just don't like the even the thought of Facebook yeah. being in the cryptocurrency business. But they're trying to diversify because their core business is beginning to die on the vine. Mm-hmm. Okay, we uh, the European mobile traffic was rerouted through China. You, you remember I talked earlier about these, uh, you know, the you, you, all these different uh, um, telco companies that that carry traffic on the internet. They're linked with BGP, you know, uh, routers, and these um, these border gateway protocol routers, BGP routers. And basically, what happens if you take and these routers. <clears throat> If you take these BGP routers and you put in uh, false routing data, you can route traffic to China and back again. It's very easy to do that. If you have access to the routing tables, you can divert traffic from around from around the world. And, and so what was happening, so on Thursday, June 6th, European mobile traffic was rerouted to China Telecom, which was China's third largest telco and internet service provider. And this was, they call this a BGP lake, leak, route leak, a Border Gateway Protocol route leak. And it was at a Swiss data center. Uh, and the name of the company was SafeHost. And it accidentally leaked over 70,000 routes from its internal routing table to the Chinese ISP. But instead of ignoring the BGP link like most ISPs would do it, the China Telecom. Reannounced SafeHost routes as its own, and in so doing it, they interposed itself as one of the shortest ways to reach the SafeHost network, and all of a sudden, all the traffic was rerouted through that ISP in China. And people are saying that they, they think they were going to sniff this thing to see and, you know, and try to, try to, you know, try to, uh, to spy on that Internet traffic. And this is why the, our U.S. intelligence are so um, concerned with having Chinese equipment in our whole Internet infrastructure because they're, something like that could happen. Mm-hmm. So remember, this, this sort of links into that. We're banning Huawei, remember? Yep. Huawei is a Chinese company that that is the leading company in 5G, fifth-generation telecommunications. And so and Europe was set to use Huawei equipment. And they were, uh, and we, and so the U.S. is banning Huawei as well as the Chinese equipment maker ZTE from rolling out 5G telecom equipment. Now here's the problem: the Europe had been planning to use it, and if they can't use Huawei, it's going to cost them around 62 billion dollars in increased costs. Now the operators in Europe would also face an 18-month delay in trying to get the next generation 5G out because they they'd have to, well, they'd have to get it from the U.S. Which of course is, I think, part of the part of the strategy. Now mm-hmm. the U.S. is demanding that companies in Europe and other allied nations drop Huawei as a 5G equipment supplier, because of Washington's fears that it could compromise intelligence services. And that example of rerouted traffic is exactly one of the things that that could happen. Huawei and ZTE account for around 40 percent of the EU's market, supplying mobile equipment. Now, European rivals like Ericsson in Sweden and Nokia in Finland, as well as South Korea, Samsung, do not have the capacity to handle the shift from 3 and 4G to 5G in Europe. And, and the U.S. is also lagging behind Huawei. So it's going to cause a delay, and it's going to cost Europe $62 billion. And we'll just see how mm-hmm. all that plays out. Okay, Uber is in the drone business now. 
Uber drones are going to make meal drops this okay. summer. <laughs> now, now, I mean, I, so you're in an apartment, okay? Right. You're in an apartment, and you order a meal. Now, now this is how it works. Will it come right to my window? No, this is what they... They have a like new fly-in window. No, they have a little landing pad on the top of an Uber car, so an Uber driver he's will, out on the road already. A, a Uber driver will drive to your house and park in front of your house, or your apartment, and the drone will land on the roof, and then he will bring the food into your house. <laughs> this is this is the idea. <laughs> I don't know, but why don't they just put it in the car? Well, no, but the thing is, uh, okay, so you, so you got a restaurant, um, and so there's already a car. The car doesn't have to come and pick up the food then. No, I get that. So what? It, so Uber. But the food still has to get there. So Uber. So they. So they. They, they have standardized packages, and so restaurants that participate in this will have a standardized package package with a code on the to- top. They'll put the food out on a landing zone <laughs> behind the restaurant. Then Uber next to the garbage. Then 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 Uber will send the drone to come down and latch onto the food, pick it up, go to the landing zone on top of the Uber car, drop it down. Then the driver hops out and gets the food. So I have so many questions. Like I thought, you weren't <laughs> supposed to use drones for commercial activity. Number one, did that get relaxed? Finally, yeah. Well, that is true, but. It turned out this program was finally approved by the FAA last week. So, and the FAA has designated ten U.S. locations for testing the commercial drone service, and one of them is San Diego. So, this okay. is going to be tested in San Diego. But I'll tell you, I don't think dr- drones are going to work in New York City because no, GPS. GPS. Well, GPS is thrown off by all the skyscrapers. True, and everything. but it, so it won't work in a lot of major cities, which is where. This would be so great, but that's so. So you could actually fly. You could pre-program the drone to get from A to B, and you wouldn't have to somebody watching it and flying it the whole time. No, you don't have to. You, that's right. That is that, th- that is what too. they're. I think. <laughs> I think this may. I don't know if this Oops. is. I don't really know if this My is practical or not. My cheesesteak is now <laughs> slammed against the high rise across the street. Now Walmart has. Walmart wants to get in the drone business. They filed more drone patent applications than Amazon for the second year in a row. Wing Aviation, which is owned by Google, mm-hmm. is also announced that it's getting FAA certifications to deliver small packages. Listen, this time is so short. It I'm is. telling you, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And make certain to check out the Stratford University programs there on www.stratford.edu in healthcare, nursing, IT, software engineering, culinary arts, hospitality business. And tell them that you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.